Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is Podcast 214. Well, it's Friday, so I'm going to answer a couple of questions that in the last month I have been asked about several times. It's just odd many times how these questions come in waves. I will not get a question like I'm about to answer you in a year, and then two or three people will come, four or five people will come, sometimes eight or ten people will come almost within uh, one month to six weeks and, and ask the same kind of questions. And those are times when I think I need to answer those through a podcast and a wider audience. And so today I want to talk to you about the call of God upon our lives, upon my life, the call of God to salvation and the call of God to preach and the call of God to do what I'm doing because so many have asked me about that recently. And so let me tell you what next week's going to be about. Next week on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and then on Friday, we're going to be very specific in what those podcasts are going to be about. I've been talking to you about the Passover, and uh, we're getting ready for the Passover. It begins this weekend officially around the world. But Friday week, April the 2nd, we're going to have a Passover in uh, Kingsport, and it's going to be a, a Seder meal together where people are going to come from all walks of life. We have people coming from six different states, and we're going to meet in the Marriott Resort and Conference Convention Center in Kingsport, Tennessee. Many of you are listening. My voice have been there. You know it's a beautiful place, beautiful golf course, a beautiful valley called Metaview. We're going to meet there at 6 o'clock, and from 6 to 8 next Friday, we're going to have a Passover Seder, and I'm going to explain the best I can what the Jews uh, would do and how that is related to New Testament Christianity, to the New Covenant, specifically how it is related to those of us who take communion maybe three or four times a year at best in evangelical churches. That's a shame that we do it that few times, but many times we do that and we do not know what it's all about. And I promise you, anyone who comes to this or sees the videos from what we're going to do, you're going to know what communion's about and you'll never be the same again. You'll never take communion the same again. And so it's going to be good. So starting on Monday, I'm going to deal with everything that happens in the Passover before the taking of the first cup. On Tuesday, I'm going to do everything and go over everything that happens in main sequence before the taking of the second cup and the eating of the meal. And then on Wednesday, I will deal with what was said before the taking of the third cup, the cup of redemption. And that specifically uh, relates to the Last Supper, we call it, as followers of Jesus, that Passover meal that Jesus ate with his disciples the night that he was betrayed. The next day was uh, tried and crucified. And so we're going to deal with that on Wednesday. On Thursday, we're going to deal with that mysterious fourth cup. Then on Friday, 
So that'll be Monday is uh, the first cup, the cup of sanctification. Tuesday, I will deal with the cup of judgment and the plagues. Wednesday, I'm going to deal with the cup of redemption. On Thursday, I'm going to deal with the Hallel cup, the cup of praise. And then on Friday, I'm going to introduce to you a tremendous concept that I've been involved in and uh, my partner has been involved in for some time in Virginia. And I'm going to introduce it to you and tell you how you can get involved in it. This is not a fundraising thing. This is not some gimmick or game. It is something that we believe will catch on across America and hopefully around the world. That will be one of the greatest tools for discipleship and building relationships among the people of God across denominational lines. Those who name the name of Christ, who believe the Bible's the Word of God, it will be a great discipleship tool that will bring us together. Not only evangelical Christians, but Jews in the areas where you are, that we can invite in and have a great event together once a month, and I'll introduce that to you next week. I've spoken about it a couple of times, and many of you have talked with me about it in great detail. Well, I'm going to talk to you about how that your church or your area, someone in your area, every month we can all gather together and do the same thing and learn about our Jewish roots and our Hebraic roots, not in order to make you a Jew. If you're a non-Jew, then that's who God made you to be, and you need to be the very best at that you possibly can. But the Lord Jesus was a Jew, and the covenant and the scriptures were given to the Jewish people. And without them, we wouldn't be where we are. And so I want to learn as much about the Jews as I possibly can and how God dealt with them, because that's how we learn, how God is dealing with them now and how God's going to deal with them in the future. Because you see, they are to us the paradigm that God has used down through the centuries to get us to himself. And so I want to learn about what Jesus did. I want to learn about what Jesus participated in, what the apostles did in the early church. Because listen, whatever they did, it worked. Whatever we're doing is not. And I'm talking about as a whole. Every now and then you'll see a church or a pocket that really gets it where it is a great move of God. But something that lasts five or ten years, that's not a great movement. Something that affects generations, that's a great movement. What the Jews did, they turned the world upside down, and you and I would not be where we are today were it not for the Jewish people. So whatever they did in that first century, they did it right. Whatever they did in the first ten years, twenty years, thirty years, forty years, they did it right. And so we need to get back not five hundred or six hundred years to the Reformation because we're not trying to reform the church. The church needs to be regenerated. Generated. We need, in many ways, a brand new start and go back 2,000 years to the first century and begin to use that as our paradigm instead of something that happened in the 1500s and 1400s and the 1600s. We can learn from them. We can glean from any generation. But the paradigm that we have and the final authority we have is the Word of God. This is what we're going to try to do, and I am at the age in my life to where I only want to be involved in anything. It should have been this years ago, but really I don't have time to waste. I've got to be involved in those things that affect and impact not only this generation, but the generation to come until Jesus comes. And so let's talk about this idea of the call. The reason I've been asked these questions is because I've been in a lot of conversations with pastors and about pastors because I help churches in trying to 
to find pastors and people who fit and will help them and grow them. And a couple of things I am finding that's very disturbing to me, and if it's disturbing to me in my own flesh, how much more it is to God. And that is understanding the call of God to salvation and the call of God to priest. I'm not talking about Calvinism and Arminianism, because if you're a Calvinist, anyone that's not a Calvinist is an Arminian, it seems. And those that are Arminian, then if you're not an Arminian, then you are a Calvinist. Well, first of all, that's wrong, and it's an inaccurate paradigm to follow. You see, there is a biblical way to do that. And yes, John Calvin was a great theologian, but I don't agree with him about a lot of things. If I agreed with him right down the line, I would be a Presbyterian died in the wool, and I'm not. I'm not an Arminian. I'm not a Calvinist. I like to believe I am a biblical Christian. I don't say that with pride, but just following the New Testament, because you see, I don't have an agenda. I don't have an axe to grind. I just want to follow God. And the older I get, the more I want to follow closely to the Word of God. I don't care what you call me. But we all in the West want to categorize everybody into something. And everybody thinks they know more about you than God does. Everybody thinks they know more about human nature than God does. And that's just not true. But what I am finding is that a lot of people believe they just stumbled into Christianity. Let me tell you, that's not the way the Bible presents it. The Bible says that God called you, God knew you before he ever made you. And he knew what you were going to do. And God has set you apart and selected you. Now, whether you like that or not, or whether you can figure that out, doesn't matter. God did elect you. And whatever the basis of election, that's his business. It's not yours. But I can assure you that if you are a follower of Jesus, you are an elect person, that God has chosen you. You've not chosen him. That's what Jesus said. All of the apostles confluently and consistently follow that. Now, you don't have to understand that. I don't understand electricity, but I enjoy it. And the same thing is true with my salvation. I I can't explain everything to you, but I can tell you this much. God can, and one day he will. But on this side of heaven, we're not going to know all about it. And anybody that thinks they have it all figured out, you need to take off running from them just about as hard as you can because they're a nutcase or they're full of themselves. They're pompous. They're arrogant because they don't have it figured out. But God has given us enough to know something of it. And the fact is, we do know enough to know that we don't just come to Jesus on our own. We're drawn by the Father. We're drawn by the Holy Spirit unto the Son, and He gives us life. There is a definite call to salvation, but there's also a call to service. And this is what's disturbing to me. I don't hear many men, many pastors anymore talking about the call to preach. I hear about going into the ministry, and I hear a lot about ministry, ministry, ministry. There is such a thing as divine prophetic call. The Word of God came to so-and-so. The Word of God came to so-and-so. The call of God came to so-and-so in the Bible. They didn't just arrive at it on their own. The reality is that we don't hear much about the call to preach anymore, and it's evidence that there's a lot of guys standing in pulpits as lead pastors preaching that it's a chore to them, Uh, and they're just doing it. They could do something else. Listen to me. When God called me to preach when I was 19 years old, woe be unto me if I did not preach. I've got to preach, and my wife will tell you that, and if I don't have a church to preach in, I'll preach to someone 
someone because anyone that God calls, God will give someone out there a listening ear. And they may not do what we preach from the Word of God that they should do, but God will give us a hearing because God doesn't call us to just beat our gums into the air. God calls us to share and teach and preach the Word of God, the burden of God before the people. And I hear guys say all the time, well, you know, I've got to get up a sermon or I've got to preach once or I've got to preach twice and then I'm just worn out. Well, I get tired sometimes uh, in the work, but I never get tired of the work. I really don't. It's not a weariness to me. And I preach uh, on Saturday night. I preach two messages every Saturday night. And I only do it for TV from the standpoint of 25 minutes. I'd rather just preach an hour at a time, but there's content in it. I have preached that way for years, not just in in my latter years, but I did that early on. I preached many times a week, different messages, not the same one over and over and over again. But on each Saturday night, I preached two 25-minute messages. On Sunday morning, I preach about 40, 45 minutes. Then I preach again an hour on Sunday evening. Because the Bible is filled with content. I mean, after all, that's what God called us to do is to preach. If God called you to be a hospital chaplain, then be a hospital chaplain. If God called you to visit the sick, that's your main priority, then do that. But don't say that God's called you to preach just because you love sick people and because you love people. We all need to love people. The call to preach is a distinctive call to be a teacher and preacher of the Word of God. This is not something that a man can escape. The fact is, I have told many young men, if they say, well, God, I feel like God's maybe working with me and dealing with me about going in the ministry. I said, has God called you to teach and preach the Word of God? Just use that language. Don't be afraid of it. And if God's called you to preach and you feel like, you know, well, I don't know if it is or not, then listen to me. If you can do something else, do it. If you can sell cars, you can be an architect, you can be whatever it is in life that you really want to be, uh, if that's what you really want to do, then do it. But if God's called you to preach, then study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, because our primary purpose is to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ and to train others to do the same thing. Paul told Timothy, the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. The main priority of the man of God is to preach and teach the Word of God. And anything else you do is secondary. I've heard people say in churches for the last 40 years, well, he's a good uh, he's a good pastor. He's not that good of a preacher. Well, listen, if you're not a good preacher, you're not a good pastor because the primary thing God calls us to do is to preach the Word of God. Now, you don't have to be eloquent. You don't have to uh, make everything rhyme and alliterate everything. But what you do have to do is explain the Word of God and say, thus says the Lord, therefore and exhort people. Now, that's what preaching is. It is giving content, logos. It is having the character that goes with the message. The messenger is part of the message. And that's integrity. That's ethos. And then there is pathos, passion. Preach like you mean it. A lot of people are going to come and go in your churches. They may not believe what you preach, but listen to me, sir. Whatever you preach, they better believe that you believe it. 
because all of them are not going to, but you better preach like you believe it, and you better believe it, or you'll never preach with that kind of conviction. Because the fact is, not everybody's going to like us. And a lot of men can do wonderful things in ministry, but they don't need to be a lead pastor. We're about to have a separation of the cream from the clabber, I assure you. As persecution comes, those who are truly not called a priest, they're going to flake out pretty quickly. Those who are in the lead positions, they're going to be in the vanguard. They're going to take the shots. And so uh, please understand that if God has called you to salvation, the same God who called you to salvation did that not because you were qualified, but because he called you and had a plan, a purpose for you. If God's called you to preach, it's not because you're qualified and eloquent. It's because God in his great sovereignty has made you and has put within you a plan and a purpose to preach the word of God. So if God's called you to preach and teach, then preach and teach. Whatever you do for a living is totally separate from that. But don't think that what you're doing for a living is your life, even if you're a child of God and not called to preach, because your life is Christ. It's hidden in Jesus, and he is your life. And let me say one more thing, because time is getting away. If you say you're a man of God and you don't really love people, you need to get on your face before God and please get right with God. Ask God to love people through you and to teach you to love people, to break you to the point where you love people. But if you get up off your face and after a period of time you still don't love people, get out of the ministry. That's right. Get out of the ministry. I know that sounds cold, but let me tell you, God's business is people. And if you don't love people, then you're not in God's business because you need to love people. I mean, if you genuinely don't love people, if all you can do is get in and preach and get out as quickly as you can, you don't want to be around people, God probably has not called you to preach. And if he has called you to preach, you may have misunderstood that calling because the calling of God has to do with people. You don't want to be looking at Jonah as your example because Jonah went and preached reluctantly. Don't be that kind of pastor. Don't be that kind of preacher. Be the kind of person that loves people, that reaches out to people, that wants to be around people because you see the ministry is about relationships. And if you don't love people, people will know that. They know it. Instinctively, they know it. Now, you may fake them off for a while, but they know whether you really love them or not because your heart will reveal that over time. And that doesn't mean that you don't tell them the truth. You need to love people enough to tell them the truth. But please, under God, examine your call to preach. Examine your call to salvation. Examine your heart to see if you really love people. And for those of you who are listening that are not in, quote, the official ministry, you're not an elder, you're not leading a church or whatever, would you pray for your pastor? These are difficult days, but these are the greatest days that God's ever made, and we're living right in the middle of them. And I pray, I pray, I pray that this will be an encouragement to you as you walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at tonycrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at tonycrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.